Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Average Film Enjoyer podcast. We are your average film enjoyers, Trey and Jagger. Jagger is actually muted right now because he, uh, yeah, there he is. He uh, does not want any spoil. We are doing Handmaiden first today, um, so he does not want any spoilers, but he will join us later in the episode. Um, Today, again, we have joining us Wes from West Talks Films. Wes, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, of course. We loved having you on the first time, so we're very happy to have you back. Um, so do you have any like new things or you've been working on? Uh, any new content that people can be looking out for that you want to promote? Yeah, so me and June Winters, known online as Film Gunch, have started a podcast. We are we just recorded an episode today, actually, so I think that's our fifth episode. Uh, we'll be going up on Wednesday or Sunday. I don't know how the schedule works because it's all in advance and my brain is struggling to order that, um, but, uh, or to make order of that. And, um, but yeah, we, we are the film Somniacs podcast. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, I think we're pretty cool. Um, yes. seems to like us. <laughs> so that's really exciting that people are enjoying us. Um, I love that. Um, and then of course I'm on TikTok, West talks movies, or West Talk Movies, um, and Westpresso underscore films is my handle. And basically, Westpresso Bean finds me online just about anywhere. So there's that. Cool. Yeah, I know me and Jagger are both huge fans of what you and Gunch have been doing so far. I didn't know Gunch's name was June. That's a gr- I yeah. love that name. Um, He's got a great name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just know him as Gunch. I think that's what I'm always going to call him. June, June would yeah. feel weird now because I've always just called him Gunch. And so now I'd be like, hey, June, ah, that doesn't feel right. You're Gunch. Um, <laughs> Gunch is amazing, though. He's, he's the best. Yeah, he is. We love, we like, I feel like the four of us, like me, you, and then uh, Gunch and Jagger. And then now Real Takes because we're doing the, yeah. the giveaway. For the Blockbuster Bonanza Bunch. Yeah, that's what something I wanted to shout out. If you haven't gotten to be a part of this, um, me, Jagger, Wes, uh, Gunch and real takes from TikTok. We all create content on TikTok. We all like doing stuff like that. Um, and we are actually doing a ginormous giveaway right now. Um, we, uh, you can enter to earn, I think it's over like $500 worth of stuff. I know Wes is donating a region free Blu-ray player. I'm still not totally clear on what that is. So why don't you get, tell the people region free? What's, so what's it's a Blu-ray player that somebody has opened up and put a microchip into that overrides its region code lock, which is something that's put on just about every disc. Some discs don't have it, but just about every disc will have a region code put onto the disc, making it playable or not playable on certain players. So if you have, if you live in the United States and you have a standard United States Blu-ray player, that Blu-ray player can only play region A which is the North American region Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you wanted to buy a Blu-ray from the UK, which would be region B, or, you know, I don't know exactly where region C is, but somewhere else for region C, I think that's like Russia or whatever. Um, to get those to play on your Blu-ray player at home, uh, you would either need a region B Blu-ray player or a Blu-ray player that's been modified 
to be able to play all regions, which is what a region-free Blu-ray player does. Yeah. And that just opens up the world to you when you are a physical media collector because some things don't get released everywhere. So if there's something yeah. that got released in the UK, you can grab that. It's really awesome. Yeah, I've seen that happen specifically. I know Old Boy just got a uh, U.S. release. I think that's pretty new because I remember looking like a while back when I was first getting into film and wanting to watch Old Boy, like I mean, first of all, you can't find that streaming like anywhere, or you used to not yeah. be able to. Um, and uh, then I was like, okay, maybe I can get like the Blu-ray of it or something. And I and no dice. So yeah. like three months ago, if you wanted to watch Old Boy, you would need a region-free Blu-ray player because the only copies you'd be able to get were from Korea or any other countries that it had been released. So that that could be super nice. Some of the other stuff you can win is uh, Jagger is donating some international DVDs that go along would probably will go along great with the uh, region free Blu-ray player. Um, I'm donating three criterions of your choice. So whoever wins, you get to pick out three criterions and I'll buy them and send them to you. Uh, Real Takes is um, donating oh, Harry Potter all 4K collection. Um, a James Bond Blu-ray collection, so all the James Bond movies, uh, the Planet of the Apes trilogy in 4K, and then there was a fourth one. I can't do. Wes, do you remember the fourth one? I can't remember. It was Harry Potter, James Bond, Planet of the Apes, and oh, and John Wick one through three That's on right. 4K, yeah. and then Gunch. Like we, we're not even done. Gunch is donating a uh, Mike Judge, and I can't remember who the second person was, but an animated, the animated show, um, the. F- three seasons on steelbook um so the limited edition really cool stuff so if you want to win all of that stuff one person gets it all um go check out all of our pages we all have pinned videos about the giveaway um the details will be entailed there i'm not going to go into it now go check out our pages um and we it ends when all of us i think are you at a thousand followers, Wes? Yeah, or? I just passed a thousand. I need to make a channel update video one of these Woo! days. But I just passed a thousand. Yeah, it's super. Hell exciting. yeah, dude! Yeah, we are all now. You can do uh, TikTok lives. Um, we are all trying to the uh, giveaway ends when we are all at a thousand followers. Um, so share it with your friends. Obviously, the more followers we get, the sooner it ends, and the better your chance of getting in. I guess. Um, yeah. So yeah, go check that out. Um, I think that's about it. Do we have any? I don't have any other announcements. Oh, since Jagger isn't joining us, I'm going to take over new releases for today. Um, I know Jagger just saw The Exorcist, so I'll read your review or his review for you guys. And then um, I'm going to go into my thoughts on No One Will Save You. And then me and Wes will get into our review of Park Chan-wook's The Handmaiden. Um, So I just watched... No One Will Save You. Um, It is the alien flick that uh, was released on Hulu. It's a Hulu original. Um, I can't remember the lead actress's name. Give me a sec to pull it. Wes, do you know it off the top of your head? Who that was? I still haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. Oh, Caitlin Dever, um, who has also been in uh, Booksmart and Beautiful Boy, The Spectacular Now. She's been in some great films, great actress. Um, so she was in a new alien flick on Hulu. You've probably heard about it. It's all over TikTok. A lot of movie talkers are talking about it. Um, I quite enjoyed it. I gave it a three stars. So nothing, nothing revolutionary, but like I was telling Wes after the movie was done, 
I said, I enjoyed my time with that. That was fun. Um, the design of the aliens looks super cool. If you're looking for something a little spooky, but you're still a beginner to horror, go check this out. It's not too scary, um, but it also has some uh, chilling moments um, and stuff that will definitely keep you on your toes. So go check that out. Um, Jagger just got back earlier from seeing The Exorcist. Let me see if I can find his review here somewhere. Oh, um, let's see. I know I have it. Yep, right here. Um, oh, Jagger, you uh, bumped up your review to two and a half stars. Love it. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to read this, and then we will get into our review. Um, Jagger says, not half as bad as anyone is saying, but still nothing to write home about. Extremely jump scare reliant, but not James Wan. I didn't find this scary, and it had none of the depth the first one had. Catherine's parents were two of the most annoying characters ever written, and the acting from those two was nothing short of awful. Leslie Odom Jr. was so overhyped and didn't sell this in the slightest bit. Ellen Bernstein's deep fake in that video was one of the worst things I've seen. It says I'm that video, but I assume you mean in that video um, was one of the worst things I've seen in my... If there's any typos, I was writing that in the car, so I'll fix that all. Valid. Uh... (laughs) was one of the worst things I've seen in my entire life. On the note of Ellen Bernstein, her returning was awesome, but the way Mr. Gordon Green handles it uh, is absolutely rancid. The ending with her was cheerworthy, but there was also part of her run that made me audibly groan. The weird moments of anti-abortion were super unnecessary. I will, however, like to name the big positive here. These kids were incredible. At points, they were quite creepy. They weren't Linda Blair in the first one, but they were quite good. I had so much fun with this, but it wasn't keep you up scary, and it wasn't a masterful piece of cinema, but I enjoy it, and I do recommend. So those are Jagger's thoughts on The Exorcist uh, Believer, the legacy sequel to the original Exorcist. Um, Yeah, so let's get into our review of Handmaiden, Wes. Um, Let me pull up... Gosh... This is when I wish I had a monitor and not a laptop. Like, when I wish I had, like, a PC, you know? Right. Um, So, Handmaiden is, or The Handmaiden, I guess, is a Park Chan-wook film who uh, is also known for doing uh, the extremely messed up action classic, Old Boy, um, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, Came out in 2016. uh, Just a little synopsis. In 1930s Korea, a swindler and a young woman pose as a Japanese count and a handmaiden to seduce a Japanese heiress. I don't know why I just said that with the Spanish heiress. And to steal her her fortune. Uh, This has a 4.4 overall on Letterboxd. Um, I don't know what it has on IMDb. Um, it's at an 8.1 out of 8.1. 10 okay. Soon we'll move into the 8.2s. Hopefully, every movie we've gotten has been an 8.1. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but this came out in 2016. I gave this uh, four and a half stars for um, 90 out of 100. And Wes, you gave this four and a half, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, four and a half right here. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. I personally really enjoyed my time with this film. The first thing I want to touch on is obviously, sorry, I'm pulling up my stopwatch. Um, obviously, 
like, oh, what, how do I want? I was talking to my sister about this, and I think that more the first. Let's address. Man, I'm all over the place. First, let's address the big elephant in the room. There is a lot of nudity and sex in this film. Yeah. Um, like, this is probably one of the... I won't say... I hate when people describe something when it has a lot of sex or boobs or whatever. A lot of, like, that kind of stuff. I don't like it when people describe it as horny. Because most of the time, that's not the case. Like, in this case, this was not a horny movie. It it The sex, I felt, was very tasteful and was there to drive mm-hmm. the plot. Um, and... Um, I also talked to my older sister about this. Um, and we both talked about how like a lot of other cultures, especially viewing their cinema. So the ones that come to mind are Korean and French cinema are much more cavalier and nonchalant about sex and nudity in cinema than we are in America. Because like, let's say this, this movie is rated R that's rated R in Korea. But if this came out as an American release, this might be and this might be pushing N seventeen, NC seventeen. Um. So that's something really interesting, and I'm just wondering what your thoughts are now after finishing the movie. Maybe what your thoughts were on that during the movie, um, because that's obviously the biggest thing here. Like I saw reviews of like, wow, this is just a porn video. Um, who people who just can't get over the fact that there is a lot of sex. Like, what are your thoughts about that? Um, well, I am the wrong person to ask that because <laughs> I watched a French movie last night. Um, I didn't finish it cause it was too disturbing for yeah. me, which says a lot. Um, but that had some crazy nudity in it. <laughs> and, um, I don't know, just thinking about the handmaiden, it, it does have a lot of that in it, but like mm-hmm. it lead it leads up to it. Like it isn't just like out and about the entire time. There's like yeah. so much tension between the two characters before they ever get into bed together. Exactly. And, uh, it, yeah. It's just, I thought it was really well done. And the first time, the first sex scene, cause I think there's at least two in this movie. There's two or um, three. Yeah. Yeah. The first one I was like, is this even that bad? I was like, this is not worse than, the sex scene in Mulholland drive between two women. I was mm-hmm. like, this is not that bad. But then the second one came around and I think that one was what, like way more explicit. And I was like, okay, okay. Wow. Um, so yeah, I think I was surprised by some, uh, how, uh, how much the sex was, I guess, how explicit it was and, um, you know, not shied away from it all. Yeah. But it didn't seem at all like, horny or pornographic as you said you know yeah it it was very tasteful and like it led up to it like it was motivated by the characters yeah i 100 percent agree i i i couldn't care less about sex in movies um i think that when it's i don't like it when uh it's like we're just gonna put boobs and sex in here just for the fun Mm -hmm. of it you know it's got to like drive the plot for me. So the one that I always bring up to example is the sex scenes in her. Um, mm-hmm. Like, honestly, like that is not something I want to watch with my mom. Right. No. And this movie <laughs> is not something you want to watch with your parents, but Absolutely not. looking at how those sex scenes are done in her spe- specifically thinking of the one 
the first time him and uh oh my gosh it's my all-time favorite movie samantha samantha thank you have sex like phone sex essentially Mm -hmm. um it's super tasteful and it's honestly really beautiful because they're both so in love with each other and it it totally drives the plot right like that's what makes samantha sentient and wanting to make her own choices and um arguably sentient um and so like when it's like that i i can appreciate it or like i'm like okay whatever it's just like any other plot device but i don't like it when um uh directors are just like throwing it in there to throw it in there you know um but obviously park chan wook that was not his intention with this film um and that's another thing i wanted to go to is everything felt very very intentional with this film um it was very i don't know i don't know the the cinematography comes to mind the cinematography i felt was outstanding and some of the shot selections were Mm -hmm. outstanding um what were some parts that you really like stuck out like any topics you want to hit on or anything like that that you really really loved i just loved how it unraveled like you Mm -hmm. saw kind of from one person's perspective which was suki at the beginning uh suki tamoko tamako uh she has two names in the movie but yeah um the handmaiden um at the beginning you see it all from her side and there are certain scenes that she was there for when they came back and showed it from the other side there were certain scenes that she was there for that they still omitted from her perspective to keep like the tension high so like for example uh towards the middle of the movie when the the lady of the house hideko tries to kill herself and suki comes and saves her you don't see that from suki's side you see that from hideko's side after they go back and yeah. tell the whole story from Hideko's side through. And I just thought that was so interesting, just how they, uh, you know, very slowly and very methodically released information to the audience, you know, like little bits at a, at a time. And it just kept the story so engaging. Like, this is a two and a half hour long movie. And honestly, I was like, like, I was excited to watch it because I know Park Chan-wook's amazing and I've heard only good yeah. things about this film. But I was like, still like looking at that two and a half hour runtime, and I was like, oh, I'm I'm gonna love this movie, but boy, am I gonna have to cut carve the time out of my day to watch it? But it didn't feel like that at all. Putting it on, it just like zoomed right through because it was just so well paced and well structured and engaging throughout. Like, and all the characters had so many clear like wants and motivations, and it was just really really well done. Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree. Um, it. It's just, I, uh, what, God, where was I going? I keep losing my train of thought. I apologize to everybody listening. Um, it, it, I really enjoy that because that's one of my favorite genres is this like thriller mystery type deal where, um, you really don't know what's going on the entire time. You know, you don't know anything that's happening, how it's all connected, right? There's all these random events. You're coming up with theories in your head and 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 you're trying to figure out what is happening but you it's really at that point just speculation and then the last 40 minutes 40 to 50 minutes like there's a moment that you can point to into every film like this where stuff starts to snowball and come together and that is one of my favorite things in cinema is that moment 
And the one that I call always comes to mind is in Prisoners. Uh, have you seen you've seen Prisoners, right? It's classic. Yeah, long time ago, but yeah. In Prisoners, when Jake, you think the girls are dead, the like Hugh Jackman just had that really heartbreaking emotional scene where he identifies the sock. Um, shout out to Hugh Jackman for giving the best performance of his career, one of the best performances of all time in that film. Um, but Jake Gyllenhaal, it just, you can tell it doesn't sit right with him. Um, and it's where he sees the, he's on his desk and he sees the picture and he starts putting stuff together. And then he's outside of, uh, Hugh Jackman's house and he sees the second sock because Hugh Jackman only identified one sock and he sees the second sock down there sitting. And that moment is when you start putting stuff together and like everything starts snowballing and oh god i love it because you're like slowly putting it together and you're trying to get there before the movie tells you and oh god i love and the moment for this was when they start when they flip the perspective like when um uh to what was her name the the handmaiden when she was yeah yeah when she when they actually ended up sending her to the insane asylum, I was like, wait, oh, yeah. what? Right. Dude, what's <laughs> that happening? Blew my mind too. And then it flips and you're like, wait, oh, and then, and then you think you have it figured out. Like she, the heiress was really conning her the whole time. And then yeah. it flips it on its head again. And then it was like, no, you were right the first time. And I got that. That was probably my favorite part is how many times it just, it did it so well. You know, it didn't feel like it was just like, wait, uh, no, it's this, no, it's this, no, it's this just to do it. It like, it felt like it was done very well and it gave each twist enough time to breathe between the next one. Um, yeah. And that's something I really, really loved about it. Um, who in your mind was the best because best performance in this? Because I have a very distinct answer. I have an answer, so I'm wondering for you who was the best performance. I thought everybody did so good. Like, um, they were just all like nobody gave a weak performance. Yeah. But I really liked Suki. Um, I thought she had uh probably the most uh most to do performance wise, at least for the first third mm-hmm. of the film. Um like she was just so good. She was scrappy and smart. And also, you know, the, the way that she slowly realized that she was falling in love with Hideko was just really well done. And, yeah. you know, her arguments with the, the, the count, the fake Japanese count, uh, was so good. I just thought it was so good. Count Fujiwara. Um, yeah, I just, she was so good. She held her own against everybody. And I just thought she was fantastic. Yeah. I totally agree with you there. She was out outstanding. Um, and it, but I think for me, it would, um, be her, uh, Hidara's uncle. I thought he gave one of the best villain performances because he was the obvious villain here. Like, I don't know. He wasn't the obvious. I don't know if there really was, he wasn't really the antagonist, but he was like the worst, you know? Um, like the count that the, that guy was definitely our antagonist, but he, the uncle was just like the villain in the most classical sense. He gave what I think is, um, an outstanding performance. 
by the end of the movie, I hated him so much. And that's when I can tell when someone gives a good villain performance is when by the end of the movie, you hate that actor. Like if you're like, I saw this person in front of me, I would probably punch them. Um, and it, I, that was it for me. Um, um, so where my question is, where does this compare to old boy for you? Um, I think old boys. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I think old boy is probably better. Um, I don't know. Actually, that's so hard because this is such a different movie. And this was Mm -hmm. such a, I don't know. This was like a, I wasn't expecting something like this um, where it's like a romance and very sexual and erotic, but also it has, you know, Park Chan-wook's, you know, classic gory violence coming through at, at certain moments. Like, I this is really difficult to compare the two old boy. I don't know. Old boy has that effect because it was one of the like first that I saw. Yeah. Um, I think I saw Stoker from Park Chan-wook before old boy, but old boy would have been like the first one that really impacted me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I can't, I, I can't even compare like, cause I feel like if I watched the handmaiden again, I might even like it more than I did the first time. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's just a, they're both so good. I can't, I don't know if I can compare the two. They're so good. So different. Yeah. Um, I think it really comes down to like, obviously they're on the same level of quality of film, you know? Yeah. Because Park Chan-wook is just that guy, you know? Um, like he's debatably one of the best directors working today. I think he's, this might be a hot take, but I think he's the best foreign film director working today um maybe alfonso corian i can't remember how to i can never remember how to alfonso say Cuaron. yeah um he's outstanding but yeah. i think park chan wook is up there along with bong joon ho um yeah and i i think it really comes down to preference of what genre what kind of genre you like like right. if you're more into the romantic thriller like erotica type movies handmaiden will be yours down but like for guys like me who like mystery action films old boy like right old boy is it's probably my all-time favorite action film um it's one of the best it's one of the best choreographed action films i've ever seen um it's it's just outstanding but like you're I think you're right. It's hard to compare uh it's hard to compare two very, yeah. very different films. Um so to get into our four questions, because if I'm not wrong, Jagger should be um almost ready to join us. Um, um so uh yeah, let's get into our four questions. Wes, you're familiar with these. You've been on our pod before for Rebecca. You're familiar with our four questions that we do for every IMDb movie. So question one, who won this film? Freaking the t- both the women won. Yeah. <laughs> they, they won it all. They're so smart. Yeah. I love, I love them. Um, I was rooting for them all the way through, honestly. As soon as I realized that... Uh, that one scene when they finally, when they come out to each other basically and tell each other, yo, I've been doing the scam. 
and they kind of like I've been doing a scam too, and they're like, oh, let's let's work together and scam the account instead. Yeah, that's so brilliant. That's so, um, so great. In the more in the sense, like who, if this movie had to win one Oscar, what do you who what what do you have it at? Like what who wins the Oscar for this movie? Uh, probably Hideko, honestly. Yeah. The actress who played Hideko is so incredible. Yeah, I think that would be it for me. But I think there's an argument to be made for the cinematographer. Because some of the the shot selection, especially the scenes um, where they were having sex and the shot, it was right above them looking down. Like there was a lot of like bird's eye view stuff. Um, There was a lot of really beautiful shots in this film. Um, I think that also had something to do with the set design. The set design was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really the, uh, I think it's the shot, the shot, um, shot Tate's. Oh God, dude. Oh, I'm talking too fast for, or my brain's going too fast for me to keep up. Um, shot selection. That's what I was looking for, mm-hmm. uh, is what wins it for me, the cinematographer, um, even yeah, though stunning. I think, and that's really the thing that I really think about the most when watching film, because I think there's everything, something for every film lover or cinephile or movie, whatever term you want to use everything that like, there's this one aspect of every film that we really pay attention to. And for me, that's the cinematography and the shot selection. That's why Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince is my favorite Harry Potter, because the cinematography in that movie is sick as hell. Um, For me, it's that. Um, For some people, it's acting. For some people, it's a score. Um, For me, it's cinematography. So looking at this film, I thought it was outstanding, and that's who wins uh, for me. Um, I guess I have to change my answer then, because I'm going to go with the editing. (laughs) Okay. Editing wins for for me yeah um like what's it what's is that like the thing that you look for in every film like oh how good the editing or is that like the thing your brain goes to it is something that i i think because i love editing personally when i Mm -hmm. when i do it that's my favorite aspect of filmmaking is the edit and so like good editing generally is like invisible editing it's like stuff you don't notice but like I guess for the handmaiden, just the way it was like, like how I said earlier, how like certain scenes were omitted from one person's perspective, but then they were in the other person's perspective yeah. to give like more context. And it just kept the whole thing super engaging and it's a long movie. So it could have easily dragged at any moment. Yeah. And uh, it didn't because they just were so brilliant in, you know, the, the, the way that they released information was just really really smart and so well done and 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 made me realize actually that the the sex scene that i thought was two sex scenes is one sex scene just from two different perspectives and yeah like oh it's just so brilliant yeah because yeah. from tamiko uh from her point of view it was pretty tame and then from yeah hideko's point of view you were like whoa that ja. was the scene where you saw everything yeah because the first scene happened and i was like if that's it if that's the length you know, I was like, this isn't even that bad. I don't know why everyone's calling this super erotic. But then the next scene happened and like you see everything and you see them like scissor and like 
you see both of them in a wide shot together. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, dude, yeah, it was the second scene is a lot more explicit for yeah. sure. Yeah, so everybody, don't watch this with your mom. Um, uh, don't watch it with anyone. This is a movie you watch by yourself. It's going to be uncomfortable watch watching this with anyone. Um, uh, Unless you're a lesbian and you're watching it with your girlfriend, then it's probably going to be a, a, you know, probably a, great, a good time, honestly. I guess that is a situation where it would be a good time. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is the most next question rewatchable scene for you? Oh man. That's just so gorgeous. The scene when they're undressing each other and nothing sexually explicit happens, but you just see like the close up of them unbuttoning the, you know, the bodice from behind or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they switch and the other one's undressing and you just like you you the tension is just so palpable and they're not even talking about each other or anything yeah. it's all subtext but that scene i could rewatch that a hundred times it was so well done yeah are you referring to the scene um where uh the they're like trying on she's trying on the dresses mm-hmm. yeah yeah that would be it for me that scene is outstanding i have it as the poster for my letterboxed review um the way it's shot with the mirrors there any mirror type shots where you can get different angles just by shooting a mirror um i absolutely adore like i'm a huge fan of that um yeah uh for jack okay i gotta take a quick second i so for people that don't know jagger is just finishing up hachi right now jagger are you okay Ah, yeah, there he is at the end of Hachi. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, me too, man. Me too. Um, third question. Does this movie belong in the IMDb Top 250? Oh, yes, 100%. Yeah. This is a must-see for any film fan, I would say. I honestly think it belongs a little bit higher. Um, maybe in the 150 to 200 range, I think, would be a really yeah. good spot for it. Um uh- yeah, and final question. One of our favorites on the pod. Um, does, all right, well, let's let's first solidify who's our main character here? Or are we putting the Count, the Heiress, and the Handmaiden all as one, all in one? Or are we dividing? So this is who's, who's against Jack Nicholson? Or, yeah, who's, who beats That's Jack Torrance from the, in a fight? Hmm. In a fist fight. <laughs> yeah, no weapons. No weapons. No weapons. Are I we think putting Jack them? Lawrence is beating all of these people, honestly. <laughs> Even if they're together. If they're all together, they have a chance. But if they're a separate, I think Jack Torrance could rip through all three of those main characters. I totally so. agree. I don't think there's and really a conversation and... here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's Jack Torrance. Uh, but then Uncle would take Jack to the basement. So in the end, Jack still loses. <laughs> oh god dude oh that's one more thing i want to talk about i totally forgot about that it's been a few days since and i and because of how like our recording is set up i can't pull up my notes on my because Mm -hmm. i took my notes on my computer so i can't pull up my notes that was weird what was happening there oh man actually like i had to watch a recap today because i watched this I don't know, like a week or two ago. Yeah. Um, or like, yeah, just, a, you know, not real recent, but 
the whole basement bit actually like vanished from my mind. Dude, me too until you said that. Yeah. It's it's not incongruent. Like the film's well made to the point where it fits. Mm-hmm. But when you're thinking about the film like retroactively after you've seen it, I feel like you remember the romance part of it and, you know, the thriller between the 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 con, you know, the con that's going on where they're trying to con the the heiress out of her money by marrying Count Fujiwara, you know, the, you, you think of that. You, and you like, you almost completely forget the aspect of like her abusive uncle in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that horrifying, really graphic torture sequence that I was not expecting, but I should have, cause it's a Park Chan-wook film. Yeah. Um, also Jagger, if you need to take a sec and turn your camera off, feel free. We lo- we love seeing you like, Everybody send your good vibes to Jagger. He he's having to finish Hachi right now. Um, <laughs> Dude, for real. Uh, that was me. Um, that was me too. Okay, <laughs> I don't I don't think we ever really get any explanation um, from what the basement is. Like, what's the point of it? Um, it's kind of like. Like, do you remember any explanation of why it's there? Or it's just like, here's the basement. There's an octopus in a tank. Deal with it. Is it like one of those things? It's kind of just where he like took her to like, like abuse her. Right. And like where he trained her to read the porn. And, uh, yeah. And that's why when, um, Hideko tells Suki about how she was raised to read porn, basically, for these creepy men. Uh, she, like, destroys the library. So I think the yeah, basement was just no. the, the area where all her trauma oh, okay. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but, okay, here's the thing. And that's where why, he made the book, too. Why is the octopus there? Because it's like Chan work. <laughs> what what is the point of this? That's my question. Yeah. Because my because there was there was very few like shots of the pictures in these books that she was reading, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the few shots we got was with an octopus. Yeah, the hentai. Is that what they call it? I think it's hentai. Um, I mean, I don't know what, what, I don't know what you're talking about. What's that? I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's one of the few shots we get. And so that's instantly where my brain went. Like maybe that correlates somehow. Like he's actually used that octopus for, I don't know, dude. It was, that whole sequence was weird. Um, Well, like in that picture, when you first see it, you just see the octopus too. Yeah. And then it, later in the movie, it comes back and you realize that the octopus is like around a naked lady, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Like it was it was just an odd. Yeah. It was an it was an odd film. Um, but it was a good one. So, I think we can both agree that that was a outstanding film. Um, yeah. if you are uh. So West four and a half, me four and a half. We both would recommend. Uh, don't watch with anyone uh, unless, according to Wes, you are uh, lesbian and you're with your girlfriend. Um, then this could be a good time. But in any other situation, this would probably be very uncomfortable. Watch alone. Well, yeah, watch alone. Don't watch this with. Definitely don't watch this with your parents. So if you are still with us. At this point, please drop us a like, subscribe to our channel, um, leave us a comment, 
if of your thoughts on Handmaiden, and if you haven't seen it, leave us a comment with your what your favorite foreign film is. Um, and follow if you're on Spotify, please like and subscribe. Um, I, that's for YouTube. If you're on Spotify, <laughs> subscribe. Leave us a review. We love the support. Um, please. Um, I think Jagger is maybe just about ready uh, for Hachi. Yep, just finished. Um, um, also, go check out our merch. Uh, we have a Jagger has a link in our YouTube description. Um, we have a bunch of stuff. We've been coming out with individual merch for every Hooptober episode we've been doing. So there's a bunch of stuff. Uh, there's Terrifier merch up, which looks sick. Um, there is Scream merch. There is Lighthouse merch. There's any horror movie, there's merch. Or any horror movie we reviewed, I guess. There's not like Halloween merch, not yet. Um, so go check that out. And I think, Jagger, are you ready? Um, not emotionally, but I think I'll be <laughs> ready to go. Well, first of all, Everybody, welcome Jagger to the podcast. We've been without him. We missed him. Jagger, how are you doing today? I was doing great. Um, now I'm not, but I'm here and I'm ready to go. I think me and Wes can relate to you. Yeah, this was me after Hatchy as well. <laughs> yeah, Um that's why I was kind of like, when you said, I'm going to watch it, and then we'll record. I was like, are you sure you want to do yeah. that? I was thinking the same thing. I was like looking up at Jagger's screen. I was like, I, I, is, he's going to start crying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's so sad. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. So, Hachi. Um, uh, my... I would like to preface, I would just like to preface yes. it by saying that this is a masterpiece. Like, I would like to say it now that just after watching it, I have it at four and a half. I'm going to have to take some time to recuperate so that I don't hate the director uh, after a little while. Yeah. Putting me through that. Um, And then it could go up to a five. I mean, that was incredible. Have you read some of the letterbox reviews for Hatchie, though? No, I have not. It brings out the crazy people. It does. This, what do I don't you know mean? what it is about Hatchie. Well, like, uh, I read some reviews where people were saying, like, it was worse than a Serbian film or such shit. What the like, hell? Were, yeah, like, the the low reviews of Hatchie on Letterboxd, like, it, like the people who hate Hatchie are crazy. Yeah. Like, that's wild. Why, see, that's my question, is why would you hate this film? There's not really too much to hate. Except that it's going to make you sad. But that's really any dog film. Um, First of all, let's just get into it. Uh, Hachi, A Dog's Tale. um, Came out in 2009. um, Starring Richard Gere. um, Who and Joan Allen. um, Who I love Richard Gere. uh, Especially from Primal Fear. If you guys have seen Primal Fear. That movie. uh, Edward Norton's first big role. It's awesome. Wes, give us the review you just read. Because I can tell it's funny. Um, actually, I was laughing about a joke I made in my own head because um, the review I was thinking of writing the entire time before the movie like hit me in the soul mm-hmm. uh, was going to be, Richard Gere's so good with animals. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> wait. Um, because in the 90s, there's a rumor 
Should I get into this one? This will this will make your episode explicit. That's fine. Every episode ex- is explicit. I curse okay. on so every single smart. one. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there was a rumor in the nineties. Wait, Trey, was... do you just want to throw something in now so that it's like a prerequisite for it? Oh yeah. Uh, animal prerequisite for animal abuse, maybe. Is that what this story is about? Give us a prerequisite well, for our listeners. Give us a prerequisite. Uh, R- Richard Gere and a gerbil apparently had an intimate relationship. In what? Life. No prerequisite. <laughs> Nobody listened. You didn't hear that. Uh, yeah, so if you don't like bestiality, uh, mute us. For, skip ahead like 10 seconds. Okay, What? There's a rumor that Richard Gere, and I don't know how true it is, but it was a really big rumor when I was a kid that Richard Gere was like checked into the hospital because he had a gerbil up his butt. What the hell? Sorry. Okay, we're going to move on from that. That took a turn that I was expecting like, oh yeah, Richard Gere used to torture animals in the 90s. But no, that is not where it went. Oh my gosh. Uh, again, Jagger's grandpa, we are very sorry. Um, because that's what. No, you, right. no, you already reviewed Handmaiden, so I think my grandpa has already heard more than that. Um, we really but... weren't that bad with Handmaiden, okay? Oh, you um, weren't? Okay. Because I have heard a lot of stories about Handmaiden, so I didn't know how far you went. You should watch um, it. It's really. It's just. It's very explicit it's not like graphic i just those two things contradict never mind we'll talk about it later we'll talk about it later it's just graphic all right we'll talk about it later um Um, so let's move on from that richard gear comment hachi is amazing what a sweet movie uh yeah yeah rated g wait wait one sec guys Um, (laughs) i need to compose myself <laughs> okay, Hachi a Dog's Tale, released in 2009, directed by Lace Hallstrom. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. He's a Swedish director. He also directed uh, other depressing films such as What's Eating Gilbert Grape, Chocolat, Dear John, A Dog's Purpose, and Safe Haven, and The Cider House Rules. Um, this is um, a drama based on the true story of a college professor's bond with the abandoned dog he takes into his home. Um, uh, 3.7 overall in Letterboxd. Uh, it probably, I'm assuming, an 8.1 on IMDb because that's what all of them have been. Um, uh, holy cow, this is actually a remake. I just figured that out. This is a remake of a, I believe, Japanese film. There's already been wow. a film made about this story. Yeah, it's a remake of a Japanese film called Hachiko. Um, it's the exact same thing, um, which came, that came out in 87. Um, nice. That's so cool. Yeah, so Jagger, you have it, Wes, you have it at a four. Jagger has it at a four and a half. Um, I have it at a three and a half. Uh, Jagger, why don't you why don't you go ahead and kick it off with your thoughts since you loved it the most? Um, so I just finished it, and um, so first of all, I had a little bit of a geek out because I'm a major nerd over Pretty Woman, and seeing Jason Alexander and Richard Gere in a movie again was cool. Um, 
but this movie was incredible. So it started out really cute really cute for the longest time like I would have called it the most adorable movie I'd ever seen and then it took all of this bottled up happiness and just took it and threw it on the floor um I wasn't happy about that but besides that this movie was absolutely incredible and even including that that was an incredible way to twist it because even though it's very sad it's where the story was inevitably going to go yeah and I think that the fact that it put that all together so well, I respect that. And Trey, we've had this conversation before that if a movie has a really sad ending, but it needed to go there, then that's great that it pulled it off right. Like, yeah. a lot of people will say that the Iron Man thing in Endgame was really sad, and I agree with that. But if that hadn't happened, I don't think Endgame would be half of what it is. Exactly. So I really, really respect what this movie did, and I think that it was a great story. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, I I totally agree. Um, I didn't love it. I found it kind of be... I'm a huge fan of Marley and Me. I just watched Marley and Me a couple months ago for the first time. Completely wrecked me um, because... I have a golden retriever. I know it's a lab in the movie, but they're very similar dogs and they're similar looking. Um, I think any dog lover um, is going to be, I mean, emotional at the end of either Marley and me or this, you know, because let's be honest, dogs are the best animals in the world. Um, Like they're just, they're outstanding and really, uh, there's just very love, love-filled and lovable animals. Yes. Um, so any any movie, really, where based around a dog who dies eventually, even though the dog doesn't die in this one, we don't watch the dog die, which is nice, um, is going to be emotional. Um, I had a funny thought. So at the end, when it cuts back to... Uh, because this is really that the grandson telling a story. So when it cuts back to the grandson telling the story... And the first shot of these students. Um, so there's this girl sitting right here. And then there's a kid sitting behind her. Who's just in shambles. Like the, the overacting of the century. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like. Me too brother. Me too. Right. And something I want to point out. Robert Capron is in this film. As one of the students. Um who, if you don't know who that is, that is Rowley from the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies. So he is one of the students in the background, just something I want to point out. But yeah, I mean, I feel like this film did a really good job at what it was trying to do, which was get an emotional reaction from you. Um, And it did that. You know, I was crying at the end. Uh, Jagger was crying. Wes was crying. Um, I mean, any dog movie like this is going to make you cry, is really my point. Um, Wes, what about you? What are your thoughts on this film? Yeah, I I thought it was really well done. Um, I thought it was, like, I really had low expectations, not because I thought it was going to be a bad movie, but because it's, like, rated G, and it's, like, some cutesy 2009 film, and it's by the same guy who made A Dog's Purpose, which I never saw, but I don't know. The title makes me think it's cheesy and silly. It yeah. might not be. Who knows? But, um, yeah, so 
I wouldn't say I had like bad expectations. Like I wasn't expecting it to suck. I just really wasn't expecting <laughs> to feel anything. Like, and then I, I ended mm-hmm. up feeling so much. Like it just was so well done. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting how they had like those uh, segments and shots from Hachi's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the fact that the dog it's uh, himself was a like a character who had agency and could make choices, which dogs in real life kind of don't like they, they go where we go and they come home. And so for a movie to take that, even though it is based off a true story for a movie to present like the dog, as this fully realized character I thought was really well done. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just loved it. It was great. I just went back and looked at the kids sobbing in the background and that was funny. <laughs> Dude, it's a really funny shot, huh? I still have the DVD from the library. I might pop that in and check it out tonight. Dude, it's it got me. I was I in the middle of crying. I I started giggling. I was like, God, look at this kid. What an idiot! And then I was like, Oh man, I'm doing the same thing. Um, and someone just someone just commented on my letterbox review. For some reason, my fifth grade teacher thought it would be a good idea to show a class of ten year olds this movie, and we were all sobbing. <laughs> um, Dude, that's so funny. Um, it's yeah it's uh, yeah it's it's a hard topic for me because like willie my gold let's see if i can get him to come over here and i can bring him and show show him to the pod um but he's like he's an old man right here's your purebred golden retriever so he's only supposed to live till like 10 or 12 years old and he's already seven eight willie come here come here buddy he just got home from a walk, so he's kind of tired and panting everywhere. Let's see if I can get him on the pod. I've Come got here. a 15-year-old chihuahua. She's yeah. never coming so, in here. Yeah, he's not going to be able to get up into the camera angle. Let's see if I can move my camera. Stay, Stick with me, everybody. There's Willie Nelson. Hi, Willie. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah, he's just, he likes chilling out. Um, so obviously, like... I try not to... I don't like thinking about it because I get emotional every time I do. But... Like, thinking about the day when eventually he will die, you know? Because that's something that is going to happen. Like, everything dies. And, like, we've talked about it with my mom, and I'm like, we were both like, yeah, I'm going to need to take, like, a week off work for that. I'm not going to be able to. Because, like, Willie, I've, Willie was my first dog that I've owned, or our first family dog. And so I've kind of, like, grown up with him. And I think there's just like a really special bond. Cats too, special bond between an owner and their companion. I don't like using the word pet because Willie kind of just does whatever he wants. I mean, I take him on walks, I feed him, da 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 da. But other than that, he kind of just does whatever he wants. Um, yeah. He answers to no man. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's. There, it's, I don't know, man. I have a lot of feelings about dogs. I don't know. Jet, yeah. Wes, did you, do, do you have a dog or did you grow up with any dogs? Yeah, my dog's just laying down off camera over here. Um, he's going to be five in November. He's a shepherd mix. He's um, like part German shepherd, part Sharpay, but he doesn't look like either. He um, has like a speckled cloud print. Blue, do you want to come over here? No? What's come his over. name? His name's Blue. Oh, this is just turning into a dog episode. <laughs> yeah, he's coming around. He's going to say hi. You want to say hi? Say hi. <gasps> oh, dope shirt, first of all. 
Oh, thank you. Come up here. Give me a hug. Give me a hug, Blue. Give me a hug so you can say hi. Yeah, there we go. Oh, look at him. He's so cute. Yeah. He's oh, he's a big boy, too. Yeah, he's so big. He's a good doggy. Yeah. But yeah, if anything ever happened to this guy, I would be wrecked for a really long time. And yeah. he's five years old, so, I mean, fully and an adult. Jagger, you said uh, you have uh, Yeah, a... so I, I've got two dogs. Um, one's very, very, like, on the way younger side, only, like, two years old. So he's kind of chaotic. She's probably just running around a few rooms over. And a 15-year-old chihuahua, uh, she's deaf and blind and probably will not be coming over here. No, yeah. Us. Um, but yeah, I love her after death, and this movie, uh, destroyed me. Yeah. Um, um, and dogs are really- to the director for pulling off what he needed to and luring me into a false sense of security by G-rating it, but- Right, G-rating, that G-rating is so sinister. (laughs) Yeah, for real, dude. (laughs) Um, something- well, first of all, you guys will love the way we named our dogs. So, have you guys seen um, Our Idiot Brother with Paul Rudd? I haven't. Yeah. Yeah, I, a while ago, but... Okay, Jagger, do you yeah, know how his minute. golden oh, retriever in it is named Willie Nelson? Yeah. Yeah. So, this is a movie. Paul Rudd West plays like a stoner guy. It's a super... I, I have it in the same wholesome level as I Love You Man. You should check it out. Uh, nice. it's super wholesome and fun. Yeah, I've seen it. Um, yeah. and God, you're slobbering all over me, dude. Um, <laughs> and so in the movie, he has a golden retriever named Willie Nelson and our golden retriever is named Willie Nelson. At the end of the movie, he meets like the Willie Nelson gets out. Uh, there's this where he has a candle store with his best friend, um, and there's this really funny line at the end where he's like, just two guys making candles together. What a cliche. It's so funny. Um, but Willie Nelson gets out and runs to the park and then he finds an Australian Labradoodle, which is my other dog. Um, and like he, uh, Paul Rudd finds her owner and like, uh, is like, it's, there's like a love connection, you know, there's like the final scene in the movie. And the Australian Labradoodle's name is Dolly Parton. So we named our Labradoodle Dolly Parton. So it's Willie Nelson and Dolly Parton. And people are like, do you like those artists a lot? And we were like, yeah. And they're like, well, why'd you name your dog that if you don't love them? Oh, because of this (laughs) movie called Our Idiot Brother with Paul Rudd. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Dogs, I feel like if you just give them your love they will be loyal and love you forever, you know? Yes. Which I think is a really powerful thing. I also think it can be a really dangerous thing because some people don't know how to treat their dogs. Um, And that makes me very sad Uh, because I know, like, those dogs still love... Like, even in the trailer for that new movie, Strays, that just came out, uh, I can't remember who the owner is. I think it's Will Forte. Um where he's like he's just like yelling names at his dog and doesn't treat him well and the dog's like well he yeah he loves me he's great and it's just it's because it's true and it's sad you know because they're amazing creatures they're my favorite they're like the best animals and they deserve everything um yeah yeah 
We this has just turned into us talking about dogs. <laughs> us loving dogs. <laughs> dogs are the best. I mean, they I really can't are. Even, like, they're just so amazing. Like, Blue is my pal. Blue over here. He's he's just been with me since you know since I got him. Like, I, just, I can't imagine being without him now. Sometimes, like, I've I'll take Willie for granted, but like, there's sometimes where I think about it and I'm like, man, he really is like my best friend. You know. He, they really are like our best friend because they're, they're just like, they're non-judgmental. You can tell them whatever you want and they're just going to lick your face. Um, Mm. and that's why I think dogs also very important for mental health. Um, indeed. Like they can, dogs can tell when you're like stressed or upset or anything. Like, I remember times I've had, like, tough conversations with my parents, and I've, like, started crying. Both Willie and Dolly just run right over to me and start licking my hands and my face. And, um, like, they're, they know. They know, man. Um, yeah. And they're just like, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any more yeah. thoughts about the movie? <laughs> well, Before the we end, get into our sobbing, four questions. The, uh, the ending, when I was crying my eyes out, my dog came and comforted me, so... Yeah. Hell yeah, we love that. <laughs> he came over and, I, you know, I'm sitting on the same chair that I, you know, watch my movies in. He came over and he rested his his face on my knee and he's like, you good? He's yeah, so that's awesome. We love that. Um, all right, let's get into our four questions for today. Um, Jagger, what are, what's it, you want to take over our four questions for today? Um, so our first question is who won this movie, right? Yeah. And I gotta say, whoever trained the dog to do all of those things. A hundred percent. love it. That made me love it so much that I then led to being even more hurt. Both screw you and you did great. Yes. Um, that's it for me too. I don't really think there wasn't really like a standout performance. All of them were pretty solid, but nothing yeah. was like amazing. So that's it for me as well. Yeah, I gotta say, yeah, either the trainers or Hachi himself. Like, yeah, Hachi's a W. Yeah, so cute, the little puppy Hachi. Oh my god. Yeah, could die. Akitas, I I think that's what they're called. That breed of dog. They are so freaking cute. So sweet, so cute. The way he just like found Richard Gere and just like sat sat right in front of him. Oh. I couldn't say no. I would, I would pick him <laughs> up and take him home right away. Like, this is my dog now forever. And for a while, I actually thought there was going to be an issue with his wife. Like, where, like, he was going to be, like, his wife was going to be like, it's me or the dog. And he was going to be pick the dog or whatever. And I'm really glad they didn't do that because that's so cliche. Um, okay. One. the wife actually came around to him. Before we get into the rest of our questions, one last thing to touch on. Am I crazy for thinking that that wife sucks? He did at the beginning. I I, I wonder. Like why? If, like, why would you not take Hachi with you? You're right. moving away. Yeah. Take Hachi yeah, with you. What right. are you doing? You should have taken. I him. was very angry with that decision. Um, I agree with that. Actually, I didn't even think about how she left Hachi with her daughter. But but I think yeah. they did that so they could bring her back at the end. Yeah. And that's what yeah, made me so emotional. Moments. That's yeah, that's that when I started I crying. Yeah. yeah, is when she came back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Heartbreaking. So beautiful, though. Jagger, what's our next question? Is it a rewatchable scene? Yeah. So most rewatchable scene. 
Um, I think the part where, uh, oh, what's his name? Parker? No, not Parker. Josh Jeet? Is that how you pronounce oh, it? Oh, yeah, the, the, the oh. guy that sells hot dogs. Josh yeah. Jeet. When he's stuffing the hot dog in the dog's face and the dog's, like, hesitant but finally gets around to yeah. eating it. Yeah. So cute. Yeah. Yeah, that um, was that 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 was cute. Um for me it's the uh what I believe is the most wholesome scene in the movie is when Richard Gere is trying to teach him how to fetch and Richard Gere is like on the ground with the ball in his mouth and I thought that was really funny and I quite enjoyed that. That was so cute. Yeah, I like that. Just any scene with Puppy Hachi, I'll rewatch a billion like so cute. So yeah. cute. Yeah. I was trying to avoid the moment where either of you say me as well, so I tried to pick another great scene because I knew you guys were going to take the obvious greats. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, also the scene where he says, I just taught him to fetch. This was his first time doing it, and Jason Alexander's like, eh. And yeah, but Richard Gere is so, so happy. He's like so he excited. He brought the ball across town to the train station, right? Is yeah. that the scene? So cute. And, oh my god. I love it. And also when he's like running and he goes under and he gets woken up by the train and continues on. I thought that was really cute. Little yeah. So Yeah. A lot of great parts of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um does this belong on the IMDb top two fifty? Absolutely. I'd say so. I think so, yeah. I I have a harder time saying so. I think it's a great, fantastic movie, like 100%, and it definitely took me by surprise. But but I don't know. I don't know, because there is a lot of really fantastic movies that aren't on the IMDb 250 that I could see on it before I see Hatchie, but this movie definitely deserves a place. It, it is 250. It's 250 movies. I think we could fit it in there somewhere, yeah, you know? we could fit a cute little Hatchie in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. For me, I disagree. There's a lot of movies that I know are on here that I would rather see in its place. Honestly, I'd rather see Marley and Me in here instead of Hachi. Um, I think that's a better made movie. Um, but that's just me, you know? Um, I think I have Marley and Me at, at four. I think I have Hachi at three and a half. Uh, so that's just me. Um, and then, last of all, does Hachi beat Jack Torrance in a fight? Absolutely. 100%. I mean, yeah. Hachi clears. <laughs> yes. Big grizzled Jack... Hachi. Yeah. Jack Torrance is one sick dude, but you cannot resist the adorable Yeah. So. Yeah. Jack Torrance takes Hachi home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So for our last segment today, um, instead of you, what we usually do at this point is uh we would go into like whatever uh like conversation we want to have about a certain topic or anything um uh titled uh what are we what are we calling this we've changed names what are we calling that segment again jagger we've changed names like a hundred times what's the current name um dudes in a call film bros in a call yeah um yeah so i don't know we we didn't make a definitive um, name. No, that. we didn't. So instead of doing that today, we are going to do, uh, let's everybody 
Wes, this is something we like to do. I don't think we've done this with you on the pod, but if you've listened before, you might have heard us do it. Uh, High and low. But to keep it short, since we want to keep our time short today, we are going to choose two highlights and two lowlights from the past week. And everybody says like, oh, I watched this and this was amazing and this. And then I watched this and this and they sucked. Uh, It's only only been three days. (laughs) Well, I have stuff. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I also have stuff, so I've only got two. Let's see. Since the handmaiden. All right. Um, do you guys want me to start, or does one of you want to start? I'll let you start, because you've got more stuff than I do. So Okay. Um, so, since handmaiden, I haven't watched anything, like, amazing. Um, after I watched, or after I watched handmaiden... Um, I watched, I did a day where I did both It movies, the newer ones. Um, Jagger, I know your opinions on those. These are going to be my highlights. I know your opinions on those. You don't like him. I Uh adore them. Um, I think Andy Machete really knows how to direct horror. um, And I think he does a really good job. I have a really fun time. I think both of those movies are insanely well cast. Um, I have, Wes, what, what about you? Have you seen the newer It remakes? Yeah, I love the first one. I don't like the second one. <laughs> oh, I love the first one. The casting decisions, I think they're great. Yeah, I loved the first one. Um, Jack Dylan Grazer, who plays Eddie um, in the yeah. first one, um, he was also in Shazam. I love. He's one of my favorite. Actually, he's not even a child actor anymore. He he's like my age. Uh, I think actually he is two days older than me. I checked his birthday. So funny. He's two day. He's <laughs> September third, two thousand three. Um, I'm September 5th. Uh, I think he, his humor just really hits for me. And the, uh, the, um, chemistry between him and Finn Wolfhart's character, Richie is outstanding. Um, I was laughing so hard. Uh, and I just, I love both of those. I think going from Finn Wolfhart to, um, uh, Finn Wolfhart to Bill Hader is one of the best, like, legacy castings I've ever seen. Um, And then my low... Okay, go ahead, Jagger. Bill Skarsgård will never be the Pennywise that Tim Curry was. You're right. Why would he be? Why would he want to be? Bill Skarsgård was so much better. I agree. No. Bill Skarsgård... Okay, also, I'm biased because uh, this was my... Like, it was my first ever horror movie. I was going into freshman year of high school, um, and I, like, my parents didn't really let me watch a lot of horror growing up. I really don't think I watched a rated R movie until this. Um, Actually, I might have watched one before. But this was, like, my first ever horror ever. And I watched it at camp with my friends, and I wasn't able to sleep last night. That night, Bill Skarsgård is so terrifying in this movie. Just the way he's able to contort his face to look like it does is so extremely impressive. Um, and I think there's some really effective jump scares. Um, I also enjoy it, Chapter Two. Um, but yeah, that's why I love it. And I've seen the made-for-TV one, and I'm just like, it's. It's whatever, you know, it's fine. Um, Wes, have you seen the made for TV one? Yeah. Um, I read the book and I've seen the made for TV miniseries and, um, 
I never ever liked. I didn't grow up watching it, so let's just get that right out of there. I didn't mm-hmm. no nostalgia. I didn't grow up watching uh, the miniseries, so I I watched it. I was probably like twenty seven. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, um, and it uh, it wasn't scary to me. It wasn't. It just it didn't come off as like something that was well made to me in any regard, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to rag on it because I know a lot of people love it and have nostalgia for it and it scared them to death as a kid. Yep, there we go, Jagger. Um, but yeah, it just didn't, it wasn't, it didn't work for me. None of it, none of it did really. Yeah, and you and mentioned then, uh, that you, I was going to say, you mentioned that you read the book. Um, and so I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I'm all, I almost exclusively re- read Stephen King. Um, I think, I think The Dark Tower is one of the greatest sagas ever written um if you haven't read read the dark tower stephen king's fantasy saga go read it it's outstanding um and don't watch the movie because it did it a total disservice that movie's terrible and should have never been made um but i've read the book and i the book is outstanding but as far as accuracy to the book i think this is the best stephen king adaptation um, as yeah. far as like what happens to the book for in the book versus what happens in the movie. Um, I think this adaptation does it the best. Um, but enough about it. Um, and then my low lights were, I'm trying to think of what else I've watched. What did I watch? Oh, uh, I watched Friday the, for the first Friday, the 13th, um, last night for the first time, because that will be coming later in the month for Hooptober. Me and Jagger will be reviewing no, no, Friday, Friday the 13th, 13th part two. two. And I wanted yeah. to watch the first one. Um, Friday okay. the 13th part two will be coming out later this month. Um, the best in the series. It's much better hopefully, the because the first one was not, it, it was nothing special. I think I gave it a 50 out of a hundred right down the middle. Um, yeah. love seeing Kevin Bacon, um, a young, young Kevin Bacon, Loved that. There were some actually pretty solid kills that I enjoyed. But other than that, it wasn't anything to write home about. Um, And then I watched this this thriller slash horror film called Would You Rather. Um, I don't know. It's with Brittany Snow, the girl from Pitch Perfect. Um, And... It was a lot of like B and C list actors, and it was a really, really cool concept. And I loved the concept, which is part of the reason I gave it two and a half stars. It just wasn't well executed. Like, I would like to see it done with more, like, better acting and like a better director because it is a really, if you guys haven't watched it, you should check it out. It's just a quick watch, it's a fun time. Um, and it's a really cool concept, but I just don't think it was executed the best. Kind of like that movie In Time with Justin Timberlake. A really cool oh, concept, yeah. but just not executed to its maximum ability, you know? So that's it for me. Um, Wes, why don't you give us your top two this past week and your top and your lowest two this past week? My top two this past week would have to be I watched The Wicker Man from 1973, I want to say, the original yeah. Wicker Man. Um, I had seen it before, or I must have seen it before because I logged it, but I have no recollection of the first time I saw it. Yeah. So this time felt like the first time. Um, and it's incredible. It is so, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Like, it's kind of funny. Like, I know the ending, uh, is really iconic and like something that really disturbed a lot of people, but I kind of 
was laughing at it. Not in a bad way. Yeah. Like, I was, like, there with the pagans. And, like, I was chilling with them. I was like, I like these pagans. I, I, I can join their cult. <laughs> like, Yeah, Wes, by the end of the movie, was like, hail, payman! Uh. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's so funny, because... It's about like a police officer that goes to this uh, little island yeah. to search for a missing person. And it turns out that the islanders are all part of this cult. And like the entire time he's there, he's like a total dick. He's like, I'm the law. I'm who's important. I'm also a Christian. You're going to follow my rules. You know, why are you teaching children about your beliefs? You should be teaching them about mine. And like the entire movie, that's his whole attitude. Like he is in a place where they have a different belief system yeah and he's like they're like forcing his beliefs on everyone and so by the time the ending came like i was on their side <laughs> i was like good for them <laughs> yeah you did him yeah and uh, it was like really just such a fun movie like i was cheesing by the end i was so surprised but like so well made um and so that would be definitely my highest high of the last week and then I rewatched Talk to Me for the Film Somniacs podcast. Hell yes, we love Talk to Me. Yeah, even better yeah. the second time. So detailed, so many crazy details. So, do you have it, want... at, or is it Gunch that has it at five stars? What do you have it at? I think I have it at four and a half or four, one or the other. Yeah, um, but it's yeah four and a half. It's fantastic. It's so good. Um, I think the first time I saw it, I rated it a four, and then this 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 second time through i just caught so much more and i had to give it a four and a half because it's yeah so well made uh and if you want to hear me and gunch go deep into that that should be up wednesday maybe i don't know when this is going up but that should be up check us out (laughs) that'll be up on there um super great movie that's definitely my second high um and then my lows uh my my lowest low i guess would be the movie that i started last night that i turned off um, I don't want to say the title, honestly, um, because I, d- I didn't log it. It was it was so disturbing to the point where I uh, don't think it's worth watching for anybody. Um, it's a French film. You know, what? I'll just say it. I did turn it off like pretty early, like before the halfway mark because it was mm-hmm. already too much for me. It's a French film called Anatomy of Hell, and I have the DVD because I bought. I used to buy like mystery boxes all the time. And yeah, it's, like, for sure. I have five mystery DVDs at the bottom corner of my shelf that I haven't seen yet. And so I was like, oh, maybe today's the day I, I give, you know, one of these last remaining mystery DVDs a watch and see what's up. Uh, don't ever look up this movie. It's so bad. I, you, know I what I'm a, you know what I'm going to do after this podcast, right? Is look yeah. up this movie. Well, the thing is, is I turned it off and then I looked it up afterwards to just read what I turned it off real early in the film because yeah. it's already that bad. And uh yeah, I don't think this film should be legal <laughs> from what I've read. Um, really? That it, yeah, there are things it includes that So that's my lowest low. That's a real low low. <laughs> yeah. I didn't finish the movie and I didn't log it and I'm going to throw the like I don't know, throw the DVD away or donate it to a local video store. I don't know. Get rid of it somehow. Um definitely not one I want in my con- co- co- collection or be <laughs> connected to in any way yeah uh very awful film um and and from what i read like everything i read after turning it off it it just gets worse and worse and worse and is not worth watching um yeah so that's my low my lowest low and then 
I don't even know if I have a low to even compete with that because my next other low would be I rewatched Troll 2 recently, but I love Troll 2. So it's a bad movie. It's fantastically bad. It's about yeah. goblins that turn people into vegetables to eat them. Uh, I, I want to go watch that. Watch no, yeah, yeah, that sounds sick. <laughs> Much better than the other movie that we were just talking about. But yeah, Troll 2 is great. Go watch Troll 2. It's, it's <laughs> terrible, but it's wonderful. Uh, oh, all right, Jagger. Troll 1 as well. What yeah, about you? I don't know what that's about. It's not about vegetable eating rolls or anything. Oh, well, then I don't care. Um, so my first low, because <laughs> I've got three highs and one low, because my other low would be Exorcist, since I watched Bather Bunch Ollie. But my one low is Insidious, which I have at one star. Boo! Like... Boo! Boo! Um, that jump scare with the Darth Maul or whatever it is, is the laziest jump scare I've seen in the entirety of my film career. Um, the entire time I was laughing at Patrick Wilson for looking that much like Will Arnett. Um, what? The entire. Oh my gosh. I'm laughing at your face because it looks like somebody else's face. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I just. After watching. Um, the entirety of Arrested Development, imagining Will Arnett going through this as Job's character completely ruined the entire entirety of this movie for me. Um, I think that the villain of this movie, like that one part where it's listening to tiptoe through the window while like knitting, that's not scary. So, okay, I'll, I, I gotta come in here and defend my guy, James Wan. Go watch Insidious. It's a modern horror classic. Um, it's outstanding. That's, that's Pat- kind of the problem because it has jump scares and has nothing else to offer. That's not true. That is not true. You have great performances. You have a great story. Everything is really... I mean, Wes, what are your thoughts on it? I have it at four stars. Like and don't even good. try to act like Roseburn's acting is good. <laughs> okay, don't I even bring your Roseburn slander on here. That's that shouldn't even be allowed. Don't even bring that on here, man. So yeah, I I think the last time I saw Insidious was like shortly after it came out on DVD. So I haven't seen it in a really long time. But uh I liked it when it came out. I do agree that the ending kind of loses it. Like it doesn't keep and like maybe that's probably because it's PG thirteen and they couldn't, you know, do something really you know they couldn't, you know, push it the next yeah. level, so they had to kind of have a conventional kind of PG-13 horror ending, I guess, where they go in and they fight the bad guy and they come out and they're all okay. Um, but yeah, I thought there were aspects of it that were really well done um, mm-hmm. and sequences that built up really well. But it is kind of like, it has that issue that I have in a, with a lot of like modern horror films where like they build up a sequence and it's really capped off, like it's capped off with a jump scare. Like I can agree with what Jagger's saying there. Like, uh, I feel like I really like it when a horror movie like builds up these really scary sequences, and then instead of having a jump scare that's like nothing, it's like something actually scary happens. And it seems like a lot of times nowadays they have like a jump scare, and then like they're all fine afterwards. Like, oh, the demon just appeared for a second, and he's gone now. <laughs> We're good. So like, the I only do have time, the only time that that was acceptable was when they did it in Mulholland Drive, and it was actually good. Yeah, like it's that like was so surreal and weird when the when the lady comes from behind the garbage bin at Winky's Diner. Oh, we've one? talked about this too. <laughs> yeah, so weird. <laughs> that was good. That whole um, Winky's Diner segment is so strange. 
I had so much anxiety the first time I was watching it when he was like, and I never want to see that face again. I was like, mm, right. God, it was good. So okay. good. Um, on that note, one of my three highs is my five-star rating of Inland Empire, which, God, that movie is so insane and makes no sense. But I've read up on it, so I kind of understand it now. Even though I don't think the people I was reading it from understand it, I think I have a slight grasp on it. Um, but just making an attempt to watch it and figure everything out. It's like doing a jigsaw puzzle. It's slightly aggravating, but it's a lot of fun there, too. So I appreciate it for what it is. Um, my other five stars are Bling Ring, which, if we were talking about Sofia Coppola <laughs> earlier, is ending, like so much fun. I How love that. Have you logged so that one now? Uh, I think that's five. <laughs> um, hey, man, ask him how many times he's logged Stop Making Sense since he saw it in the theater. Wow. Which was a so month ago. Just um, went home and watched it over and over again? Essentially, yes. Um, <laughs> and my last five star in my highs is The Nightmare Before Christmas, which was a childhood favorite of mine and is still a favorite of mine. Um, there's something about the animation style of it that just brings me so much joy. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. with that, thank you for joining Wait, what us. What about Wes? What about Wes? Wes did his highs and lows. I did my highs and lows. Oh, yeah, yeah, you did your highs and lows. And my lows God. were just really low that we blocked them yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, your yeah. lows were so low. Oh, my bad. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. I just had lower lows than you, so, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Calm down, guys. It's not a competition. Um, so thank you for joining us today on the Average Film Enjoyer podcast. Uh, please, Wes has a new podcast called The Film Somniacs, right? Mm-hmm. Film Somniacs with our good friend Film Gunch, who we have had on this ep- ep- uh, podcast for our It Happened One Night episode. Um, so go show them some love. Go check out their podcast. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like, comment down below um, what uh, your favorite dog movie is, or if you've ever even owned a dog, or what your thoughts on dog movies are in general. We'd love to hear them. Um, and then like the video and subscribe to our channel while you're in our channel. Hit that link. Go check out our merch. Buy some merch. We have some awesome stuff out right now. Still you can still go out and cop your uh, uh, average film enjoyer pickleball set. So go ahead and do that. Um, um, uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, if you're on Spotify, subscribe to our podcast. Please, please, please. We love that. We love the reviews. It allows us to get more to the point of getting or out to more people. And the more people that know us, the more often we're able to do this. Uh, so please check that out. Uh, go check out West Talk Movies on TikTok and then Westpresso underscore films um, on uh, anywhere else, really, right? That's what you said? Yeah, Westpresso underscore films is my TikTok name, and then you can find me basically anywhere if you just type in Westpresso Bean on whatever social site you'll find me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I'm Trey the Film Noob on TikTok, Twitter, and... Uh, uh oh what else jagger what else am i on i'm letterboxed that's the one and then he's jagger film reviews on tiktok jagger the movie guy on instagram and twitch i believe and then jagger film fan on 
Letterboxd. Letterboxd. Yeah. So again, thank you for joining us today on this episode of the Average Film Enjoyer. And we hope you have a blessed rest of your day. All right. I have to...